what's the secret to getting jacked, right? It's doing a little bit of exercise. And what I'm talking about maybe sounds like a little bit more than a little bit, but really, again, like if you have three hours a week for this, I can work with that. If you have five hours a week for this, I mean, you're great. You could do three to four hours of resistance training a week, and you could do a bit of cardio as well. And if, if you can give me like five hours a week of your strength training and then do some walking, that's all I need, period. So in the scheme of things, over the time we have, it is not that much, right? It's not that much time. So it's doing a little bit of it, doing it often. So just being consistent, not perfect, but just being consistent, get showing up more often than you don't show up and putting in the work more often than you don't, and then just doing it over the long haul. I'm Doug Bopes, personal trainer, best-selling author, and entrepreneur, and I'm on a mission to help others become the best version of themselves. So I'd like to welcome you to the Adversity Advantage Podcast, where we will help you use obstacles, failures, and setbacks to give you that edge needed for success. I'll be interviewing people from all walks of life on how they overcame trials and turned them into triumphs. So please sit back, relax, and get ready to be absolutely blown away by some of the wisdom and stories you're about to hear. Welcome back to another episode of the Adversity Advantage. I'm your host, Doug Bobes. And listen, there is a lot of noise in the fitness industry about what works best with regards to weight loss, muscle building, and health transformation. And there are so many different workout programs, cleanses, and information that it can be challenging to decipher between what actually works long-term and what doesn't. And with that said, I wanted to have a conversation on the podcast with somebody who's a friend, who's a colleague that is one of the most knowledgeable, respected, and successful experts in this space. Today's guest is Mike Matthews. Mike is the best-selling author of books like Bigger, Leaner, Stronger, and Thinner, Leaner, Stronger, and he's the host of the Muscle for Life podcast and founder of the number one best-selling all-natural sports supplement brand, Legion Athletics. But more importantly, Mike is a go-to for all things muscle building, fat loss, and body transformation, having helped tens of thousands of people change their lives through health and fitness. Check out his Instagram page for some of these before and after photos. It's quite inspirational. And believe it or not, most of his clientele is the normal everyday person who is quote-unquote unfit and looking to become quote-unquote fit that doesn't have hours upon hours to spend at the gym every day. So if you are that person who is struggling to get started, you keep starting and stopping, you have hit a plateau, or just looking to up your fitness game, then this episode is for you. This episode is going to provide you the blueprint for a workout program that is effective, sustainable, and help you create the ultimate health transformation. We chat about the staples that are necessary for a successful fitness program that includes what to eat, what to do in the gym to maximize your time, and the importance of protein. Mike and I discuss other things like how to not fall into the trap of making your body an idol or your identity, how to break through a plateau, how much time is really necessary to spend in the gym to get results, and we also talk about why he thinks so many people quit on themselves and more. So let's get this conversation going and welcome Mike Matthews to the Adversity Advantage Podcast. Mike Matthews, welcome to the podcast. Doug, thanks for having me and thanks for being flexible on the on the timing and such. Yeah, of course. And I wanted to get you on because when it comes to health transformation, when it comes to fat loss, weight loss, you know, becoming fit, like you're the guy. And I was just honestly looking at, at Amazon right before we recorded and your books are number one and number two bestsellers in the weight training category. On Amazon, you sold over a million and a half books. You were just telling me and you've helped tens of thousands of people 
change their lives through health and fitness. And something I honestly didn't really know about you though, which is really fascinating is we were talking about how people get involved in the health world and the health profession as either somebody who has a transformation themselves and they see how much it helped them. So they want to pay it forward and help others like I did. And then you see the other side where people just had a fascination for lifting weights when they were young, when they were 12, 13, 14 years old, they played sports, they got in the gym early and they just kept on that. They knew they wanted to be a trainer. They knew they wanted to get in the fitness space, but you went a totally different route, which is going to anomaly. I was a little surprised because I did also learn that you've never been drunk. So I was like, oh, maybe he was just the guy that just ate chicken and broccoli his whole life and ate egg whites and just drank his gallon of water. So what was your path to getting in the, the had sadistic life? parents? It's funny. Uh, yeah. Orthorexic parents, right? <laughs> yeah. But yeah, no, it is. It, I guess it is a bit unusual because you're totally right. I have a podcast. Obviously, I've interviewed a lot of people and those are the two most common stories, uh, a story, something like yours, or like you were saying, just a lot of those people who got started young also were always just big and strong. And so it just came easy to them. And now they're very big and very strong. And that's, that's just always been their thing. It's like what they were just born for it. Whereas in my case, I played a lot of sports growing up. So I got mostly into ice hockey. I played some roller hockey, but I liked ice hockey more. So I just ditched that for more ice hockey. And, and at that time, I didn't really, I didn't educate myself. I was, I was a teenager. I didn't educate myself about nutrition. My, my mom made the food and the fan. She always was cooking and stuff. And it was just normal stuff. I'd probably say I just had a normal, probably maybe a little bit better than normal, nutritionally speaking and health wise, just staying active, not being overweight and eating you know, some vegetables here and there, some whole grains here and there, a decent right. diet, I would say. And then I got into weightlifting when I was like 18, when I stopped playing hockey, 17, 18, because I wanted to keep doing something with my body. And really it was just girls. That's why I started lifting weights. It was just, I was like, ah, I like girls, like muscles. I want to do something. I'll recruit a couple friends and we'll just lift weights. And uh, that's why I started. And then, and then I came to like it for actually its own sake. And I came to enjoy training and stuck with it obviously for a while, but didn't really know what I was doing as well for the first seven years. I again, didn't make any concerted effort to educate myself. I just would buy bodybuilding magazines, flip through the articles, maybe try to pick up some things here and there, and then just do the workouts. And fortunately I knew that I didn't really know much. So when I did finally decide to educate myself, at least I started from, okay, I can just assume I know nothing and I'll find some credible sources and I'm going to, I'm going to give this a real go basically. And uh, so, yeah, you're, you were mentioning before we started recording that the assumption would be given my position, I guess that I, this is, this has always been my passion and that's not really the case. And I would say in a funny way, I feel like I know more than I would ever need to know about health and fitness for my own purposes. It's a weird where as a, as a, a professional, I'm always educating myself and learning new things and I get to interview people and I get to learn things that way and read and whatever. But if it were just, if it were just me for taking care of my body and my fitness, again, I know far more than I would need to know. And that time that I would spend furthering my knowledge I'd probably put into something else. How I got into even writing a book again was really just, it was just wanting to share like, oh, here's some simple workable things that I wish I would have known when I was 
17. I'm going to write a simple book and I'm just going to, it's not going to have much in the way of like marketing sizzle. It's just going to be steak. Here you go. Try this. Here's how energy balance works. Here's how my macronutrient balance works. Here's how to work out your calories. Here's how to work, how to work out your protein. Here's on the training side of things, what progressive overload is. Here's what volume means and how to think about it. And here's some simple training programming principles that you can apply to get stronger. And um, that was that first book, Bigger, Leaner, Stronger, which I've updated a number of times now. And then from there, I, that did well and I wrote more and it just became a snowball that was born of that original just little seed of, I'll just, whatever, scratch my own itch and put this book out there and see if anybody cares. Were you ever a trainer like in a gym or did you just have your own transformation or not transformation? You got, you started educating yourself on health and wellness and, and then you just got, you saw what it did for yourself. And then you were like, I want to put this into a book. Yeah. So I have my own transformation where I went from, let's just put some numbers to it. I had probably gained 25-ish pounds of muscle. I started out pretty skinny. I'm 6'2". I started out 155, uh, which I didn't look as skinny. My, my weight has always been strangely low. I think I, it's just because I have small bones. Like I have small wrists, small right. ankles. So I, I just say I look like a normal dude who didn't lift weights basically. And then, so I had gained maybe 25 pounds of muscle, most of it in my upper body. And my body fat percentage is maybe 18%. So if you can imagine that, I looked athletic. I didn't look bad, but I went from that to like gaining a bit more muscle, adding some size to my lower body and getting down to maybe 8% body fat. So you have abs and everything looks pretty good. And that was enough at least in terms of, oh, okay, so this that's, that's a pretty dramatic change. I wonder how that guy did that. And then as far as training people, I did train, but not like, I never took money for it. I would just, friends and family and people would just, when they saw what I did with my body, they would ask. And so I'd say, yeah, why don't you come start work? Just come to the gym with me here. I go in the morning, meet me there. And so over the course of a year or so, I just had worked with various people. And then at the time it wasn't like, online per se, but some people, they weren't going to join me in the gym because they couldn't, but I was emailing and they would ask. So I helped them put together meal plans and training plans. So I got some experience that way, just working one-on-one and, and then wrote the book. That's incredible. And you've helped so many people. And what I think is really great about your approach to things is you keep it really simple. Like I think right now in our society with anything, we don't have a knowledge problem where I think we're overfed knowledge. Yeah. Yep. We have an action problem. Data and smog. I, yeah, exactly. And you said like we know more than enough as a trainer for our own bodies. I mean, I think fitness and health is pretty simple for the most part. If you want to lose weight, you got to eat less calories or you got to move more than you eat. You got to yep. eat less than you move. You got yep. to eat enough protein, eat enough vegetables, that sort of thing. And if you want to gain weight, you got to eat more than you move and you got to you know put in more calories than you're moving, that sort of thing. And and lift heavy, but I think we overcomplicate it. So I want to get into the blueprint for health transformation for people in your terms, because I think it'll help a lot of people. And I know you, you break it down in more detail in each of your books, both for men and for women, but just for the sake of our podcast, I want to keep it as general as, as you possibly yeah. can, maybe some similarities. So what do you think is, is the blueprint or like the staples of a successful health program? If they were like three to five things that you would say every single person should do for health longevity, for body fat composition to feel better. What are they? Yeah. Yeah. I would say we could probably sum up the behaviors, the habits or the primary habits of the fitness elite, so to speak. It's really just a few things, right? They watch their calories. They watch, uh, at least they have an understanding of energy balance, calories in versus calories out, and they regulate their calories according to their goal. 
And it doesn't mean that you necessarily have to weigh everything that you eat or obsessively count everything. You actually don't, but you do need to have a, a bit of an understanding of energy balance and how many calories you're eating versus burning. You have to understand that that you can never get around that. That is a non-negotiable. So that's one thing they do. Another thing is they eat a, a high protein diet, which let's just put the numbers to it. Let's say something around maybe 0.8 to one gram of protein per pound of body weight per day. If we are talking a normal to maybe slightly overweight body composition, if somebody is, has a lot of fat to lose, I'd probably change that to maybe 30 to 40% of their total calories. Uh, because let's just say, let's say a guy weighs 300 pounds. He doesn't need to eat 300 grams of protein per day. He could, it's not going to harm him, but he's probably not going to enjoy it. He'll probably have a much better time if he eats 200 grams of protein per day. And that's totally fine. He could do that. So that's number two. Number three is they do uh, a lot. They spend most of the time that they have to give to exercise training their muscles. And particularly they, they work on strength training. They spend most of their time getting strong, increasing their whole body strength, as opposed to if we're talking about resistance training, maybe just doing a bunch of machines or doing a bunch of lightweight stuff and kind of like isolation bodybuilding exercise. Not that there's anything wrong with any of that. It's just that shouldn't be the foundation of your training program. It should be supplementary. The foundation should be strength training. And the most efficient way to do that is barbell stuff. So barbell squatting, back squatting, front squatting, barbell deadlifting. That could be a conventional, it could be a trap bar deadlift, barbell bench pressing, uh, barbell overhead pressing, dumbbells as well. I'd put dumbbells in, in, that, in that category as well. Those, those are great for increasing whole body strength, but the primary exercises are those big barbell exercises. Now, if you can't do them for some reason, maybe injury or physical limitations, that's totally fine. You can work around that. You can uh, use the basic fundamental principles of strength training with other exercises and do very well. But if we're talking about getting the most output for our input, barbell training is just where it's at for getting strong. So that, that would be number three. Number four would be they do some cardio. And that doesn't mean that you have to be on a machine. It doesn't mean that you have to really do any type of endurance exercise uh, per se, if you don't like it. it, it could just be going for let's just say brisk walks several times a week and maybe 20 to 30 minutes or, or so or longer if you'd like, or it could be playing sports if you prefer that. Or it could be for me, I don't mind just hopping on my upright bike. And usually if I have calls to make like work-related calls, I'll do those when I'm on the bike, which I tell people like, I'm going to be breathing a little bit because it just, I'll, I'll follow along. Like I'm, I'm only doing moderate intensity. Like I'm not doing hit. I wouldn't be on the phone if that were the case, or I'll just read. I read on my phone. So I just have my phone. And again, it, it's a little bit obnoxious because I'm exerting myself to some degree, but I've gotten used to it. And I, it's just an easy way to multitask and make that time a little bit more productive. But doing some cardio is ideal for maximizing health and wellness and longevity because there are some added uh, additive health benefits to it, you, specifically for your heart, cardiovascular training, right? That you will not get from resistance training. And there's also some stuff related to telomeres. And there's some research indicates that as far as reducing or, or minimizing our biological aging, that cardiovascular exercise can confer some unique benefits that strength training does not. So that's uh, habit number four. And then the fifth, I would say is they maintain fitness elite people, they maintain good sleep hygiene. So they make it a priority to get enough sleep 
And that really means, and I've, I've had my own experience with this because when I was in my late twenties, so let's say I'm 36 now. So 10 years ago or so I was invincible, dude. My sleep was, I would work usually every night, at least Monday through Friday. And I'd work on the weekends, but as far as evenings go, I'd work really right up until I was getting ready for bed. I'd work like yeah. up until 11 and then get ready for bed. So I'm like mentally doing things get ready for bed, fall asleep in five minutes, blackout unconscious. So I'm asleep by like maybe 1145, let's say 1130, 1145, and usually not wake up once and naturally wake up 630, 645. My alarm was like 645. I normally though just wake up myself 630. And that was it. I did that for five years straight and did great. And now I'm 36. I have two kids. I don't sleep through the night anymore. I'm going to wake up at least once to pee almost always. And it's just what it is. I woke up probably two or three times last night and that one to three, three wakings is now normal for me. So I have to make sure, and this is annoying, but it has taken some discipline for me because I miss those days when I had, I had an extra hour and a half per day to be productive, essentially, even probably two hours if I look at my schedule now. Whereas now I need to make sure that I'm in bed by 9.45 to 10. And it's because my alarm's at six. I need to be in bed eight hours to make sure I get enough sleep. And there is no workaround. This is sleep hygiene is also one of those non-negotiable things. I would say each of these points is, is probably more non-negotiable than it is negotiable for talking about maximizing fitness and health, but calories, as far as body comp goes, absolutely not negotiable yeah. and sleep as far as everything goes, it's just not negotiable. And, and it's annoying. It feels like a waste of time, but I've really learned to prioritize it because uh, not getting enough sleep, it impacts me more now than it did when I was, I remember days when I, when I was 10 years ago, when I, if I didn't, I would, I would have a bad night's sleep here and there. So let's say I slept five hours or so. Yeah, it wasn't a good night's sleep, but I remember actually being surprised at how it had no, I didn't feel, I was like, shouldn't I be tired? It's, you know, it's 4 PM and I worked out hard in the morning and I slept five hours and I've worked all day and up until now. And I don't feel tired at all. Shouldn't I feel tired? And then I go home and I do cardio. And so again, those days are gone. Now, if I don't sleep well, which is more about waking. So I just, if I'm just like restless, it's just not very restful sleep. And, and even if my little sleep tracker says I slept seven hours, but it just wasn't really good. I would be slower right now. Like mm. it's just, it just impacts me. Yeah. I think that's a, a good summary of the key things that just produce most of the results. Yeah, I agree with everything you just said. And I think there's a lot to be said for co combining, I think it was what, strength training, cardio, calories, sleep, and then what and was protein. the- And protein. And in particular, because- <clears throat> So why, so I want to, I think most people would agree and most people who are listening already know they need to sleep. They probably, like I said, people know that they need to control their calories to lose weight or gain weight. However, they're trying to swing the pendulum. But what specifically is it about protein that, that helps so much with losing weight, losing fat? Is it this, the keeping you full longer? Is it something that it does to you biologically? What is it specifically? Yeah. So there's the muscle effects, right? Mm -hmm. Because obviously when we say, oh, I want to lose weight, what we really mean is I want to lose fat. So yeah. a high protein diet is, and there's no question, this is, there's a lot of research out there on this. And this really is the, it's, it, it, you could say it's the current weight of the evidence, but it would take, it is about as true as it, as it could possibly be in, in terms of science, right? It would right. take so much anomalous findings one after another to change this. And we know that a high protein diet, 
diet, which again, the numbers I shared earlier would constitute a high protein diet is going to help you preserve muscle when you are cutting. It's also going to help you lose fat faster. And there are some mechanisms like you mentioned uh, related to hunger. So generally speaking, you are just going to be less hungry on a high protein diet than a low protein diet. And that works wonders when you're restricting your calories, that alone is a real game changer. I know firsthand having worked with many women over the years in particular, who often do not eat a high protein diet unless they've learned about the importance of protein. Most women who find their way to my work are relatively new to a lot of this. And so they might go from eating like 50 or 60 grams of protein a day to double, or even a little bit more than double that. And they're amazed again at how much easier it is to control their eating, to not feel hungry, to feel satisfied after meals, and then to have fewer cravings. And so all of those things just work wonders for compliance. And there are also some physiological mechanisms in play with a high protein diet, like the thermic effect of food. So that's the amount of energy that's required to digest and process the food. And protein, for example, costs the most energy to process compared to carbohydrates, which cost also a fair amount more than much people. I believe it's around 20% or so. So about 20% of the calories in carbohydrates are required for just processing it. And then 15 to 20%, I don't remember the exact number, but it's in that range. Whereas dietary fat is very low. It's almost, it, it costs very little energy to process because chemically it's actually quite similar to body fat. So the, your body just needs to kind of package it up and make up some little bit of changes and there you go. Whereas protein it, it starts off chemically so different that really it doesn't get stored as body fat. That doesn't mean that it can't contribute to body fat gain. It can if you're eating a lot of calories, but it doesn't directly contribute to body fat gain like dietary fat does. So those are a couple of the reasons why a high protein diet just beats a low protein diet in every way. And I think that the interesting thing about the people that you coach, a lot of people are like, yeah, he, he probably just coaches people that are super into fitness. I, th I think your clientele, your demographic is just a general population, if I'm correct. And hey, I'd say normal everyday people yeah. who many of them are starting out unfit and they just want to get fit and they have, let's say three to five hours a week to give to it. And they're willing to follow a meal plan, but they're not willing to follow a highly restrictive diet. Mm. They, they want to eat the foods that they like, and they want to be able to have some quote unquote cheat meals and they want some flexibility, but they do care enough to again, be willing. Cause some people are, are they're not willing to even talk about calories just yet. And I understand yeah. they're just not there yet. You know what I mean? So the people who resonate most with my work have gotten to that point, but they're looking for a lifestyle. They're looking for something they can do for the rest of their life and enjoy it, not secretly hate it or dread it, but try to trick themselves into thinking they actually are liking it. The broccoli and chicken every day. No, yeah. this is this. I actually do like this because of my abs. No, th these are people who want to live their life, but also want to be fit and healthy. Yeah. So I want to get into that really quick. You just mentioned that. So how do you, like a lot of people, they get, they create this identity around their body right? And they obsess over their abs, they obsess over their veins or vascularity. And it's almost like that becomes their life. And I've been there. I've been the guy that wouldn't go out on certain occasions because I didn't want to eat something that had salt in it, or I didn't want to have something that had sugar in it. And I ended up becoming miserable because I had this obsession over my body. It was like my, I was so wrapped up in who I was physically that I was like, without my abs, without this, I'm nothing. And while I thought that would bring me happiness when I was overweight, and it did. Of course, I felt better about myself. I liked who I saw when I was looking in the mirror, but that only lasts so long. 
you really have to do the deeper work, I think, inside internally for who you really are. So that doesn't become- You just, a, have, you just have to get bigger and leaner. That's yeah, exactly. the secret. <laughs> Shameless plug. So <laughs> what, what, what advice do you have for somebody that, to be able to separate the two so that their body doesn't become their, their identity, so to speak? We will get you back to this episode of the Adversity Advantage in just one second. But first, wanted to give a quick shout out to Danette May and Earth Echo Foods. Danette was a past guest on the podcast and shared her incredible story and how it inspired her to create her products such as Cacao Bliss which I take every day, either in my coffee or in a smoothie. It starts with 100% organic cacao beans that are naturally kissed by the sun, maintaining its miraculous health benefits. Then it's blended with turmeric, MCT oil, coconut, Himalayan sea salt, cinnamon, and black pepper for the perfect blend to make you feel the best you ever have. The result? Fall in love with a truly decadent, healthy, guilt-free chocolate, removing your cravings, facilitating weight loss, boosting your energy, and reducing your inflammation with one simple drink. Not only that, it is friendly to keto, gluten-free, paleo, vegan, and vegetarian diets. So go to earthechofoods.com forward slash Doug Bobst. Again, earthechofoods.com forward slash Doug Bobst. Check it out for yourself and learn more about the amazing benefits of Cacao Bliss. And when you enter in the promo code Doug at checkout, you'll get 15% off. Now back to the show. Yeah, it's a, I, I like that question because that was something that actually put me off Early on, I didn't want to get into the fitness industry. I wanted to actually start a publishing company. And I figured I would write in fitness, but I wanted to write in other genres as well, which I have. Uh, now all I do is fitness, but I, I will in my next life get back to writing in other things. I've written a book on the Bill of Rights, which I published under a pen name just to keep it separate from my fitness stuff, just to not confuse people. And that's actually my number one best-selling book right now. That book is destroying. It's, I have to look at the, the reports for last month, but um, it's selling thousands and thousands of copies a month right now because of what's going on uh, here yeah. in America. So you did a bunch of research on the Bill of Rights and just published the book? Yeah, I've always enjoyed history and American history. And there was a period where I was reading about the revolutionary period. And it's a very simple book. It's really just meant to help people understand mm. the Bill of Rights and each of the amendments. And particularly to tease out some of the controversy around or tease out some of the, I think, the nuances that help you understand the controversies over the second amendment, for example, some of the stuff related to the first amendment, the it's called the know your bill of rights book. And the pen name is Sean Patrick, which is just a name in my family, like a first name and a middle name. I just kind of grabbed it <laughs> randomly because I didn't really care at the time. I was like, Oh, it's for fun. And I'll just yeah. throw it up and see what happens. And it, it just sat there and sold a little bit here and there. And then in the last several months, it has skyrocketed in in popularity which is funny but early on so i was that was kind of my plan is i was just gonna mm -hmm. follow my whims of what did i want to research next what did i want to learn about what what and then i also wanted to write fiction and that's what i was going to do and i even started putting that company together and building a website had a name was going to hire some people but then i saw that bigger, leaner, stronger was selling very well. And I saw there was an opportunity to, to get into the fitness space. And one of the things though, that, that gave me pause was this point and of, you could call it narcissism, but it's a little bit different. It's more to that point of what you're saying, where you get too wrapped up in your body and you really start to live just to take care of your body and to obsess over how you look and you're doing ab checks in every mirror when in, in after you eat too much food you're like oh i got to check my abs and i understand I, again i've 
we're all subject to those th- those strange kind of forces that live within us. And what the reason I want to talk about this too is I think so many people they get this wrong impression that you see somebody who's on the cover of Muscle and Fitness or on the cover of some of these magazines or that they're in really good shape and then they're happy all the time. Yeah, or their yeah, life's yeah. fulfilled and they've got everything because they're ripped. And if you talk to anybody who's achieved that, it's total opposites. We all struggle with stuff. We all go through everything. So that's why as somebody like yourself, who, when they, if people are listening to this, they go to your page, maybe they see some of your pictures. They, they see that, that dude, this guy's jacked, this guy's ripped, but it's interesting to hear your perspective on this because you were the guy that kind of was against all that. Yeah. And no, it is. I, I totally agree. There, there is a joke, like there's a bit of a curse of being too lean where once you've gotten as a guy, have you ever been in the range of maybe seven or 8% or even leaner as a woman, maybe it's 16% or so that anything higher than that is just fat. Like, yeah, I got to, I got to like five and a half percent, like yeah. five or six years ago. And you looked in the mirror and you're like, this is awesome. I, I don't want to, I was like, I don't, please don't gain weight. Please don't I gain know, weight. I know. I know. And then you have to reorient yourself to yeah. an actual healthy, cause that's not even healthy. No, I had veins going through my abs and it was, I looked ridiculous, but I was still wasn't happy yep. because I would be out with my friends and I should be like, I should be having like a slice of pizza right now. I have been yep. doing good all week or I haven't had a cheat meal or whatever. And I'm like, no, I can't. Cause I was so concerned at preserving yeah. this body of mine and it became a sickness, right. In a way. So that's why I wanted to yeah. bring it up. Yeah. Yeah. And I can relate to that. I, I would, I, I don't think I, it, it got to the point where it was like pathological, but I've been that lean as well. And yeah. there was like, just to put numbers to it, I knew that I had to eat probably 24 to 2,600 calories a day. Like that was it. That, that's all I was able to eat to maintain that look. And I felt it in my workouts. And again, this was when I was younger, when I was anybody, if you're in your twenties, you're basically invincible. Just think of it that way. So that's when I was still in my invincible phase. And I still felt it a bit like lower energy levels, lower sex drive, wasn't sleeping as well. Yeah. I had to be more OCD about my calories. And, and that meant, I, I don't know if it meant, Cause I wasn't, I've always for a while now, I've just worked a lot. So I've neglected social interactions on the whole, but it did, did just mean understanding that like, yeah, if I go to the restaurant, I'm not ordering most of the stuff. Like, I guess I'll just have this little thing or whatever. And so totally, no, I, I've been there myself. And so I think it's important to find a, a healthy balance of being able to live in a way that is enjoyable. And then also having the, the physique that you want, but that point of what do you really want and why? People like us can maybe justify a little bit being having ab veins because we're like, eh, that's part of our brand. It's like, yeah. okay, we're fitness guys. If I weren't a fitness guy, I probably still would look more or less the same because right now it's pretty easy for me to maintain this look. Like, I, this is if anybody goes to my Instagram, Most Flight Fitness, and there'll be some selfie of me in there somewhere. That's my maintenance. And this is comfortable for me. If I were trying to stay leaner, it'd probably be uncomfortable, but this works. And so you have to find what works for you. But to to this point of being too obsessed with the body, I do think that is unhealthy. And it's something that I do consciously avoid myself is to not get too wrapped up in terms of my identity in my biceps and my abs. Even if I like them, I think I have good biceps. My abs are staggered. They're fucked up, honestly. That that works against me, but hey, they're there. I can see them. That's cool. I, I am happy with how my physique You're, you're being very humble right now. You're pretty, I think your maintenance I mean, is, no, I think, I think your, I think your maintenance is like the average person's rep to keep yourself in really good shape. But I think it's great to get this perspective from you as somebody 
who is in your position to be like, Hey, listen, like even me, like I have to set a boundary with myself to make sure that I live a life and that fitness I like to say that fitness can't be just your life. It can be part of your life, but it's not your life. Like you have to have some sort of, I don't want to call it balance. I don't think there's really ever balance in life. Balance in the sense where you have other things in your life other than just the exercise and and the the fitness component. Yep. Yep. And to this point of identity, right? I I work out. I'm very consistent. I, I do mostly strength training. I do some cardio as well. And I follow a very kind of regimented eating plan, but that's just because I'm just a creature of habit. I just like to eat the same stuff every day. I'll change it up here and there, but I genuinely enjoy it is the weird. It is a little bit weird. I understand. I'll eat the same salad every day. I I make for dinner what I call vegetable slop, which is just a bunch of vegetables. And I put spices and meat like I'm looking forward to it. Just talking about it. I just, (laughs) I still like it. I just like it, but I also do how all of that did start as a meal plan where I looked at the numbers and I'm like, okay, cool. About 2,800 calories a day. I want to get in this amount of protein, not too concerned where my carbs or fats fall. It's going to be higher carb anyway. So what do I want to eat? What do I like? Okay. For my carbs, I like oatmeal. I like fruit. I like vegetables. I'll have some dark chocolate. I like that. And just throw it all together and then just do that for years, basically. What I like about your approach is it's very like well-rounded and you're not like cutting out certain food groups. Right. Right. Where, and again, I don't have anything against like certain diet protocols that we've all, I've tried like everything under the sun, but I think for the most part, I think most people can agree that to be healthy, you need to eat fruits and vegetables. You got to get healthy fats. You got to get yeah. good carbs. You got to get good source of protein. Doesn't matter if it's coming from animals or good plant-based right. sources or not. Like it just it has to be a, a, a nice, well-rounded palate. And a lot of people, when they hear the word high protein or eat this, they think of keto and it's not keto. It's a no, like you don't generally not a proponent of keto. If I think what's happened with keto and I was having a conversation with my friend the other day and I just said, the problem with some of these diets is they think because it works for one person it'll work for everyone. And it's just not, not true. In my experience, most people I've spoken with have not enjoyed it. There are people who genuinely enjoy it, of course. but most of the people I've, and, and not just worked with, but my, my email inbox is certainly over 150,000 emails sent and received by now. I've spoken with a lot of people over the years and keto has been around for a while, at least several years. Obviously it's more popular now than ever before, mm. but I've heard from a lot of people who were really struggling with it and even getting through the keto flu period. And mm. okay, so now they're at least not suffering that, but they just miss eating some of the foods that they like and they don't really notice that much of a difference. Like they don't feel a a lot better because now they're eating a super low carb diet. They just feel the same and their workouts are okay, but they can't eat a lot of the things they like to eat. So they're just like, why am I doing this? Yeah. And honestly, from a, from an energy perspective, to be honest, if I'm being transparent, I felt better. I felt I did a, I was plant-based for a little while just to try it out. Cause I had a lot of people that were asking me questions and I'm like, you can't, give any kind of advice or share any kind of experience that me doing it myself. And I went plant-based just to, to try it out, like just to see what it would do. I felt great for a while. And then I had the trouble I had, which so many people have is a, I just missed meat. Like I missed it. I was like, you know what? I, I just steak. Mm-hmm. I like chicken. I just, I like it. And just finding the different sources of protein. I was never a big tofu guy. I didn't tempeh. I was like, I'm getting sick of black beans and quinoa. That makes but sense. I, I felt like how better. How protein powder yeah. then can you? Yeah, exactly. Uh, I was like supplementing with like an exorbitant amount of like plant protein powder, which we know like supplements 
supplement a plan. They aren't the plan where I was getting like probably a good bit of my calories just from the powder. And I just decided to stop it, but it was a good learning experience for me to say, okay, I, I probably, I felt great because of these reasons. I felt great probably because I was eating more fruits and vegetables because right. I was eating more complex carbs right. and because I was getting some healthy fats. Like right. that's why I felt better. And the same and thing. It's, I'm it's sure. important yeah. though, to not mix up that it's more of a correlation than a yes, causation and that, yes, it was caused by plant foods, but it wasn't the plant-based diet per ex- se that did it. Exactly. It was just all of a sudden your diet on the whole for talking about health outcomes and parameters. Oh, your diet improved. Now, is your diet worse though? If you add some meat and some animal products back in, but you keep in all the other stuff? No, your diet actually probably has improved a bit even more because you're going to be getting some, I guess it depends on how how many supplements you were taking. I'm, I'm assuming you were taking supplements for like B12 and iron and zinc and some of the things. Yeah, I was doing, I was doing all are that. hard to get actually, if you really need to micromanage your plant-based diet, if you're going to do it. And even then you probably still need to supplement. I was put, I was crushing like nutritional yeast. Like that's high in B vitamins. Yeah, yeah. And I was just like, all right, all right I'll give up. And yeah. I was having fun because honestly, like, I, I like a challenge and I like to be creative. And I'm like, that's the sole reason I honestly did it was like, you know what? I'm gonna challenge myself. I'm gonna yep. get creative. I've been following the same plan of like traditional, like chicken, rice, sweet potatoes, oatmeal, egg whites for years. And I was getting bored and I was like, eh, I've done uh, like paleo. I've done all that stuff before. Let me just try something up, try something else. And I think it's the same thing with keto. Like so many people, they, they might lose weight on keto, but is it because they're eating more protein and more fat or is it because they're reducing their caloric intake? That's right. just the name of the game. Totally. And then um, of course you have some water weight that if people don't understand what's going on, when you cut your carbs from, let's say an average of 200 grams a day to like 30, you're going to lose water weight quickly. And that's cool. It's encouraging, but right. it, it's not, it's not fat. Like right. come, you eat those carbs again, it will come right back. So the people that are listening to this, that would get the most value, the people who are already working out, I think they already probably are in some sort of routine and maybe they'll listen to a few things here and they're getting some tips and maybe some things they haven't thought of. Oh, I need to get back into lifting weights. I need to get back into using dumbbells and barbells, that sort of thing. But I really want to talk to the person that, that maybe just can't get started on a workout routine or is that person that just works out for a week then quits, works out for a week then quits and is bouncing from online program to online program and just can't seem to get in a rhythm. Like what, what are some first steps that somebody can take that's in that rut to get going on some sort of uh, maintainable health transformation plan? The first thing that comes to mind is the mini habit or the the tiny habit to use BJ Fogg's. Uh, yeah. 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 So that, that approach and just to break that down for people. So let's then speak to, this would be useful for some people. It actually wouldn't address what's going on, but let's just quickly talk about it because for some, it probably will where many people, and I've seen this over the years, they get very zealous in the beginning and they're very ambitious and they feel up to the challenge of totally overhauling their diet and getting into the gym five days per week to lift weights. And then they're going to do cardio on the weekends and they're Mm. all pumped about it. And then life gets in the way and they end up eating too much and then they miss a workout and then they have to cut a workout off and because of something, something starts hurting and now they have to leave and they get demoralized and because they're not able to stick to their original plan. And then that can quickly lead to just throwing in the towel and rinse and repeat. And so for that, an easy way to build up 
to what might be ideal is to start with something that is so simple that you can't fail. If we want to be ridiculous about it, let's say it's just push-ups. Let's say we're going to start with push-ups is do one push-up a day. I think right now it's very relevant because so many people are working out from home. So I think it's yeah, a good right. thing to start with. It's a, okay. One push-up and well, if we're going to, if we're going to be greedy, one push-up and one, I don't know, chin up, if you can do that, or, or maybe a band assisted and one lunge a day starting again, yeah. something so simple where anybody could say, yeah, I could do that. I could do three or four reps a day. No problem. Right. Okay. But so what about then? What about 10? Could we start with 10 a day? And the point though, is to, again, start with something so simple, or let's change gears and talk about cardio. Let's talk about walking, right? Go out. Can I go out for a 10 minute walk once a day? seven days a week, I'm going to go outside 10 minutes and schedule it, be specific every day at 12 PM. I'm going to go out and, and walk around for 10 minutes. Can I do that? And again, you have to be honest with yourself in terms of how you respond to that internally. The response you want is an absolutely, absolutely. If you're waffling, I'm not sure. Let's say you're thinking, all right, I'm going to go out for a one hour bike ride every day. And then you start thinking about that and you're like, can I really I don't know. Is that really going to happen? I don't know. How am I going to do that? Actually? No, that's too much. Then we need to start with something that you immediately just go. That's done. It's done in my mind. In as far as I'm concerned, looking forward, it's going to happen no matter what. Okay, good. Now do that until it is now an established habit where you know that it is going to happen. The only way that you're not going to get your walk is if something really gets in the way, something legitimately is just, you have to not go for your walk because of whatever it is, but otherwise it's going to happen. Okay, good. Once you have that in place now, can we turn it into a 15 minute walk? Can we turn it into maybe a 20 minute walk? Again, this is where it's it, the person matters. Some people would feel comfortable. Yep. 15 minutes. I could do that. No problem. So other people, they might feel the same way. Eh, I can add another 10 minutes. And then you do that. And if that takes you a week to get to where you're not missing. And again, it's just knowing that habit is now installed. You are far more likely to do it than not do it. And you have it when you actually, instead of feeling drawn to, to not do it or drawn away from it, you are drawn toward it. And the idea of not doing it is actually more uncomfortable than the idea of doing it. That's when you know that, okay, you're, the habit has probably taken hold. And so you just keep adding that way. So let's say now we're doing 20 minute walks, seven days a week, and it's time to add some resistance training into the mix. If we're at home and we're doing some body weight stuff, there's plenty of effective ways to train at home with your body weight, especially if you could add some bands and especially if you could add some dumbbells, even if they're modular dumbbells, you can really do a lot for six months, five or six months. That's all I had to work out myself at home. I had, I have a bike that I do my cardio on. I have adjustable dumbbells. I have a shitty little bench and I have some bands and that's it. I don't even have a pull-up bar because the way that the molding is in my doorways, it's not made for it. Like it rips, it starts to rip the molding off of the wall. So I was doing pull-ups on an I-beam in my mechanical room in my basement. And I, I didn't lose any muscle during that period. I was posting on Instagram just to show people like, hey, it's boring and I miss the gym, but it works and yeah. burning calories and I'm maintaining muscle, maintaining a bit of my strength. I know I'm going to lose that anyway. A lot of it, at least on certain exercises, I don't care. I'll get it back when I get back in the gym. And so if we're going to add that into the mix, again, let's keep it simple. We're doing 20 minute walks a day. And again, I, I don't care if it's just one 
push up uh, if it's one rep of four or five exercises and then adding to that until you have a bit of a resistance uh, training routine going and then once that's in place you can just depending on where you want to go and what you want to do maybe it is now you are doing three resistance training workouts per week you're going for a walk every day and maybe now it's time to look at your diet and up until now, it, again, it's that Alan Carr, How to Quit Smoking book where he encourages you to smoke like crazy while you're reading the book. So again, we're just focusing on the exercise. If you feel like eating a little bit better here and there, sure, don't do it or not. It doesn't really matter. We'll get to that and take the same approach with the diet. Can Let's say junk food is a problem, right? Can we eat a little bit less of it? Not eliminate it altogether, but can we replace a little bit of these some of these calories with something a little bit more nutritious. Okay, let's do that. And just take that bite-sized approach until you have completely overhauled and just revamped your lifestyle. Gosh, I'm so glad you, you said that in that way, because I, th- I think the biggest reason that so many people fail in transformations with their health is they try to go from like zero to a hundred, just like anything. They want to go from making zero dollars to making a hundred grand a year. Yep. And you go, it's like, all right, you got to start with making a hundred bucks a month before you go for a hundred bucks a year or whatever the case may be to yep. get to a hundred grand a year, whatever the case may be. The same thing with fitness. They're like, I want to, I've been eating junk food and not moving my body and watching TV all day yeah, for, for the last three 20. decades. Yeah. Now. And then all of a sudden tomorrow, have- I'm going to cut out all processed foods. I'm going to work out six days a week. I'm going to do this cleanse. I'm going to eat this. I'm going to eat that. And it's not maintainable. Why? Because I believe the exercises and the nutrition, they're important. But what's more important is the habit, is building those habits. Because then it becomes a new normal for you to say, okay, it's just second nature. I got to get up and I got to go for a walk. And now you're building good habits because you're like, okay, if I start with a 20-minute walk, I see how good I feel when I get done. I want to do more of what makes me feel good. It's human beings. We want to feel good. And that's just what happens. And you start stacking these small wins, as you alluded to. And it's like the one push-up analogy. One push-up becomes two, becomes three, becomes four. I look at how this was so powerful in my transformation and why I think it's been so maintainable for me is because I... I just by accident took that approach somehow. Like I didn't, I wasn't like I was going in it very methodically saying, all right, I'm going to do yeah. one push up. Right. Yeah. These studies show yeah. that this is a more effective way <laughs> to have it. I just knew that nothing had worked and I never really tried, but I just remember listening to my cellmate and he's like, Hey, you got to start here. So that's what I built off of. And then I had built this foundation and built equity in my fitness bank, if you will, mm-hmm. that I just kept building and building. And then a few months later, I'm running two miles. A few months later than that, I'm running a 5K. And then it all started with starting small. So the last thing I want to ask you- Let me just interject quickly. Something that Dan John, the well-known coach and author says that, and I, I think he got it from, I think it was a coach, I don't know, it's with an M. Anyway, that what we're really talking about is doing these things- a little, doing them often and doing them for the long haul. And it's just- Well, that's the name, of, the name of one of his books. I don't know. I'm actually reading, I'm reading his attempts book right now, which okay. I like. It's just a collection of essays. And anyways, I think it's just a good concept. And yeah, it, of course. It really is. He was talking more specifically about training, right? So the secret, what's the secret to getting jacked, right? It's doing a little bit of exercise. And what I'm talking about maybe sounds like a little bit more than a little bit, but really, again, like if you have three hours a week for this, I can work with that. If you have five hours a week for this, 
I mean, you're great. You could do three to four hours of resistance training a week, and you could do a bit of cardio as well. And if, if you can give me like five hours a week for your strength training and then do some walking, that's all I need, period. So in the scheme of things, over the time we have, it is not that much, right? It's not that much time. So it's doing a little bit of it, doing it often. So just being consistent, not perfect, but just being consistent, get showing up more often than you don't show up and putting in the work more often than you don't, and then just doing it over the long haul. And that, that requires patience, which is something that I don't have much of. Like I'm not right. very naturally a very patient person. So I can understand actually when people get into fitness and they want the fast results. And I, I'm very much the same way. And it manifests maybe not so much in my fitness, but more in my business and in my work. I'm just impatient. Like when I lay out plans and, and we get working on projects, there's a a part of me that's just a, not contented until it's done. And I, I have to sometimes be, be aware of it and, and just be happy that writing a book, for example, all I want to do is just work on that book all day, every day until it's done. That, that's just what I want to do. Right. I don't want to do interviews. I don't want to do emails. I don't want to do phone calls. I don't want to do any of that. And, and it actually will annoy me a little bit when I have to stop working on it to do other things. And that's just my personality. So I can understand that. And it, it's just an idea that it resonated with me and helped me just, okay, I did the, the little bit of work I needed to do on this. And I'm doing it often and I've done this many times now. I know the process and it will get done. And I'm looking at this over the bigger picture and I'm going to be doing this for the long haul. So there's no reason to get annoyed that I didn't get, I got 2000 words done today instead of 5,000. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. You're right. And I think it's all about the, the long haul and playing the long game, not right. looking for these short wins, which in reality, we're human. We're all going to want these quick, feel good moments in our life that I think happen sometimes when we might see some quick results or maybe we make a quick dollar here and there, whatever the case may be. And I think yeah. it's, it's just human nature to feel good about that stuff. And I think being impatient is probably one of the main reasons people fall off is, I guess I, alluded, like I said a few minutes ago, like wanting to go from zero to a hundred when it's just not maintainable and then also being impatient. So in the case studies with the people you've helped transform, what do you think is the secret for people not to quit on themselves so soon? The most effective thing has been results, honestly, yeah. Show, showing people real results quickly and by quickly within the first month, seeing mm. a difference in the mirror and doing it healthily, of course, and sustainably. So we're not talking about losing 20 pounds in the first month. No, we're maybe talking about losing five or six pounds. And most of that's going to be fat. Maybe it's a little bit less depending on where they're starting. But let's say it's somebody who they're not in shape now. They have a bit of weight to lose. And yes, so in the first four weeks, helping them drop six-ish pounds of fat. And uh, that's something though that they see on the scale. It's something they feel when they put their clothes on, they see it in the mirror. And then when you couple that with results in the gym, particularly strength training, strength training is cool in that way in that it's fun to get stronger. It's just fun. And it, mm. it feels good to be stronger. So it's very rewarding in, in that regard. Whereas you could do a lot of functional training and a lot where your exercises are changing all the time and you're trying to do all these different dynamic movements that you're not even very good at because maybe you're not very athletic or it's just awkward yeah. and you're not training, you're just exercising, meaning <laughs> that there's not like a clear, there's, goal. A, there's a big difference. Yeah. There's not a, a real system that you're following. You're not getting usable feedback. It's great. Exercising is not bad. I, my cardio is exercise. I, that's not training. I don't really care to maximize my cardiovascular capacity. What I do is 
I make it a little bit difficult, more difficult over time. I just notice, for example, that's just the resistance on the bike. I just notice that over time, uh, I'm able to do a little bit more resistance and it still feels like a, maybe a four out of a 10, basically. Right. Otherwise, though, I'm really just burning some calories and getting the health benefits. But in my strength training, that's training. I, you, I, I'm following one of my own programs that comes from a book of mine called Beyond Bigger, Leaner, Stronger. And I have a spreadsheet and it comes with the book. Just uh, the, the programming is actually not complicated, but it is easier to 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 follow. If you just have a spreadsheet that just tells you, you put in your numbers, it just tells you what to do. So that is training. That is very regimented. And I am, I, I know, okay, so what did I do today? I did, for example, I started my workout with four sets of trap bar deadlifts, a sets of eight with 75% of my one rep max. And next week I'm going to be doing sets of six and there's a system there. And so it's important to have a system to train because then you get not just res better results, but uh, you also, you're going to enjoy the process more because yeah. you're going to feel, you're going to see that you have something that works and you're everybody that they experience this with calories and with protein, right? So those are the key nutritional components and they experience this with the training as well. There are a few components, progressive overload being one of the big ones and probably volume. Those are the two biggest ones. But once they realize, for example, that it's their first month and yeah, they, they had to avoid some of the stuff they would have normally eaten. They couldn't eat four donuts a day. They had one, they had a half a donut here and there, and they had some other good food. They never really were that hungry. They didn't really have much in the way of cravings. They, they had a pretty good time and it controlled their cat. They followed their meal plan. They controlled their calories, control their protein. And they saw that, oh, I lost six pounds of fat like, just by doing this. So if I just keep doing this, I'll lose another six pounds. And that was, it's just natural. They just see right. it then. They're like, oh, in a sense, it's almost like I'm there. Like, I just got to, all I have to do is just keep doing this and, I, and, and I'm there. And then in the, on the training side of things, similarly, once they get going and they see that they've built some muscle, they see their numbers going up. They see that they started with 135 on the bar on a squat and now it's 155 and they like how it feels to be stronger. And they notice that their legs are a little bit more defined. And again, it's that hope that kind of inspires them to want to keep going because they realize, oh, this is a system. All I have to do is keep pulling these levers and pushing these buttons and I just get bigger and stronger. And I keep doing these things over here and I get leaner and and that's very motivating. And that's really been the most, I think, effective motivator. I think that's far more effective than any kind of internal things you could do to try to address attitudes or reframe. It's just most well, people, they get results and they get excited. When I think it gives the, the strength training and the training approach, it gives people different metrics to track and see results in and compare so that when maybe the scale is not moving, maybe the weight isn't going down or the weight isn't going up or they might not notice as much of a difference physically, they notice that they might be doing an exercise better because they've right. been doing it consistently or they're seeing their weight go up on a certain movement, whatever the case may be, or they're just feeling better in their body because they're feeling just stronger. And I think that's an important thing because if you just use the scale as a metric to your health, you're going to, it, it can be a very slippery slope as we know, because yeah. there's a lot of things that we can't control when it comes to our weight. There's a lot we can control, but there's certain things that can throw off our weight here and there a little bit. And if we solely obsess over that, then we'll forget about the other amazing benefits that working out gives us. So last question I wanted to ask you is, so we've covered the, the getting the person off the couch, so to speak, and back into a workout routine. We've talked about the fundamentals of, and the blueprint of a transformation, what goes into a program. 
And I want to piggyback off of our last you know, conversation and talking about different metrics to compare results. What advice do you have for somebody who's stuck in a plateau? This one could be an episode unto itself, honestly, but to just touch on the main points. So if we're talking about, let's say it's a weight loss or weight gain plateau, the first thing you have to do is really look at your calorie intake because what happens often is people, let's say it's a weight loss plateau. Often what happens is people are eating more calories than they realize. And to give an idea of how easy it is to do this, even if you are following a meal plan, even if you are measuring your food, so check it out. Let's say your meal plan says that you're supposed to eat a cup of oatmeal dry, right? then cook it. Obviously I'm going to eat it dry, but you're supposed to measure it dry and then cook it and eat it. Let's just, let's say that's all the meal is. We could add other food, but it doesn't matter. And you do that. Okay, cool. You measure it and you eat it and you think, cool, I, I followed my meal plan perfectly. And if I just do that with each of the meals, then I should end the day where my calories need to be. And I should lose a little bit of fat that day. Great. But what you may not realize is the cup that you used to build your meal plan to put in the calories and the macros of that oatmeal, let's say it assumes, I don't know, maybe it's 80-ish grams of dry oatmeal. That's the weight that it is assuming. Mm -hmm. But you didn't know that and you didn't weigh the, the oatmeal and you put in hundred grams of dry. It, it's just, it doesn't, that doesn't necessarily even look like a heaping cup. It's a full cup and it should just be less full. And oh, oops, then you just ate 25% more calories than you quote unquote should have for that meal. And let's say then the next meal is it includes a tablespoon of nut butter, of peanut butter, or almond butter, or something like that. And you get your tablespoon out or just your spoon. And yeah, that's a tablespoon. Okay. You eat it. And again, what you don't realize is let's say that was for in, in the food database that you were working with, the tablespoon weighed, I don't know, 20 grams, it's supposed to be 20 grams. These are probably not exact numbers, but they're close enough. 20 grams of nut butter, but that was a big tablespoon. Yours had, yours had 30 grams of nut butter. Oops, 50% more calories. So you make that mistake a handful of times. And yeah, nut butter can be evil when it comes to calories. Yeah, man. And, and there, <laughs> there goes your calorie deficit for the day instead of let's say you're a woman and you're shooting for a 300 calorie deficit right because let's say you're a smaller woman who just has some weight to lose and 500 calorie deficit is a bit aggressive so you have a 300 calorie deficit you can wipe that out easily by making a few of these mistakes and what sucks about it is if you don't understand that, then if you don't understand what I just explained and how easy it is to do that if you're not measuring properly, or weighing properly, then you can feel like you followed your meal plan. You ate all the foods, you had the cup of oatmeal, you had the tablespoon of nut butter, you had the half a cup of berries, blah, 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 the, the high protein yogurt. And you've been doing that for three weeks, let's say, and nothing has really changed. And that can be very confusing because people then start to question some of the non-negotiables like energy balance. Many people then start to wonder, maybe calories in, calories out isn't actually what drives weight loss. Maybe right. it's something else. And then they find their, themselves on some fake doctor quacks website and he's talking about hormones and he's pitching the keto, his keto. You have to buy his uh, keto his products. Yeah. You have to take his exogenous ketones. And, and I understand where then people 
because they had this thing that was working and they're like energy balance. Yes, simple. It's no longer working. So the credibility of that or the stability of that concept has been shook. Now it's, they're like, oh, I don't know. Maybe Mike was wrong. Maybe that, or maybe there's something wrong with my body. Maybe again, this guy says that it's uh, must be my thyroid hormones. And that's because I'm eating too much gluten or too many lectins. And therefore I should stop eating the beans. And you can waste a lot of time and waste a lot of energy on these wild goose chases when it was energy balance all along. So that's a, that's going to be a key thing is really quantifying your calories in and then also your calories out. To do that, head over to legionathletics.com, search for calories burned, and you'll find some articles I've written that help you pretty accurately estimate calorie expenditure. You don't want to total daily energy expenditure is a moving target. You're never going to get it on the dot. You don't have to, but you also can't be wrong by 30%, especially if you're overestimating. So I would say those are the, those are probably the key things for weight loss. And and then weight gain is oftentimes people, it's the other way around where they're just not eating as much as they Mm -hmm. think they are. And they just don't naturally have a big appetite, which I actually understand. And then as far as muscle gain, strength gain plateaus, Often it comes down to diet, not being, not eating enough consistently, not realizing that once you're no longer a novice, if you're in a calorie deficit consistently, you're not going to make much progress in the weight room. You're just not like you have to consistently be in at least a slight calorie surplus to really see significant improvements in your performance and in your physique. And that then requires a, a bit of meal planning and a bit of discipline in the same way that, that cutting does. Again, especially if you don't naturally have a big appetite and you're not going to, you're really not going to enjoy what begins to feel like kind of force feeding yourself on a consistent basis. But if somebody has their calories in, they actually are consistently in at least a, a slight surplus to eat enough protein. Oftentimes then they're just not working hard enough in the gym. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't mean that they're not working hard enough in their workouts. Like, oh, they're just being lazy and like phoning it in, just walking through their training. No, oftentimes what happens though, is they're not doing enough volume, meaning they're not doing enough hard sets, muscle building sets taken close to muscle failure per major muscle group per week to make progress. That's a common mistake. So for example, a newbie can do quite well with, let's call it 10 hard sets per major muscle group per week. That's it. That's not very much. You can get that done in one workout. You could just do a chest workout once a week, really, honestly, 10 hard sets, and you're going to do quite well. Then do your back workout, then do your arms workout. Not that you have to train that way, but that works. However, if you are an intermediate weightlifter, that number to make consistent progress for most people, it becomes about 15 give or take, right? But many people, what they don't realize is, and, and I've heard from those people because my Bigger, Leaner, Stronger program and, and Thinner, Leaner, Stronger as well, it's about nine to 12 hard sets per major muscle group per week. That's what that's how it's programmed. Now that works well until it no longer works. And the primary reason it doesn't work is now you just have to work harder. That, that's, it's unsexy. And we, the, the major change we have to make now is instead of doing the nine to 12, we now need to get up into the 15 range, especially for the big muscle groups that we care the most about. And then we also need to make sure that we have a, a good, method of progressive overload. And that is just increasing the amount of tension that muscles produce right over time. And the most effective way to do that is to get stronger, add weight to the bar, add weight to the dumbbells. So what that means then is your program has to provide enough volume to actually stimulate muscle growth. And then it needs to have 
overload built into it, meaning that over time, your whole body strength should be going up as expressed in, let's say your one rep maxes on the big exercises, your back squat, your front squat, some sort of deadlift, uh, a bench press and an overhead press. It's going to be slow going once you're no longer a newbie, but you, if let's say a tra- your training block is three or four months, if not much has changed in terms of those one RMs, probably not much has changed at all. But if you have gained, let's say a total of 20 pounds on, on across all those exercises, again, not a huge change, but that's a great sign. You have certainly gained uh, at least a little bit of muscle. You may not quite see it uh, because you look at yourself every day, but at that, you can, you can, count on the fact that in research shows that the correlation between strength and muscle gain becomes stronger as you become a more experienced weightlifter. So much so that as you become a more experienced weightlifter, the only reliable way, and I'll add natural here to naturally gain, continue gaining a significant amount of muscle and strength is to get stronger. So again, how that comes all the way back to a plateau is if the program doesn't have a good progression model built into it, and if it just has you doing the same types of things, same exercises, same weights, same reps, it's, it turns into exercise. It, it, it no longer is training because there's no progress built into it. I love that. I love those answers. And I think you're right. So many people don't properly measure their foods. They measure, but they don't fit. They uh, don't think about those little nuances like you described with like the spoonful of almond butter might be two tablespoons or the, the oatmeal reference that you made. I've, I know I've done that. Yeah, and- <laughs> of course. I know I made that mistake. I'm speaking firsthand. Yeah. So maybe like the, for the, so for the person listening that maybe you have plateaued in your weight loss, you have plateaued in your weight gain to really look at those nuances, little things when it comes to measuring your food and making sure that you are on some sort of, of plan that works for you. And you're getting in a, a good variety of good nutritious foods throughout the day. And then when it comes to your training, yeah, making sure you're sticking to a program. Cause a lot of times people plateau because they have no idea like what they're even tracking because they're just right. bouncing around from exercise to exercise. So their only metric is the scale. Their only metric is how they look. And if they're switching up their workouts every single day, every single week, they're not going to, they're not going to really know anything. They're not going to have anything to compare it to. It doesn't work. It works when you're new because anything works when you're new. But but once you have that, let's let's call it like you have about a year of training under your belt. You just, you can't afford to make the the newbie mistakes that you can just power through because your body is so hyper responsive to training in the beginning. Yeah, man, absolutely. And I think people need to really, I think, pay attention to this as we're in a, a way that are in a, a time in in everyone's life where our health and you know, physical fitness needs to be a priority and making sure that you're following a program that not only is sustainable, but one that's effective too. Mike, I know your time is really valuable and I wanted to, to thank you for coming on. And I encourage people to go out and, uh, and buy his books, listen to his podcast, go to his website where he can find out more information about him, about his programs, about all things, building muscle, losing fat. So I just wanted to thank you so much for coming on. Yeah. Again, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, man. So if people want to find out more about you, it's just what it's just muscle for life on Instagram. Yeah. Muscle for life fitness uh, on Instagram. And I'm not too active on Instagram. I I do post a few times a week and I post some stories and I mostly actually just answer people's questions, but I'm otherwise I don't use it very much. So that is one way to reach me. Another way is just to email me, Mike at muscleforlife.com. That's a great way. You're going to have to wait maybe a week or two, sometimes a little bit longer to hear from me, but I will 
that is also more reliable than Instagram's DM inbox, which is yeah. uh, temperamental. And then as far as all my things, really legionathletics.com is the hub where that, that obviously is Legion's website, which is my sports nutrition company, but you'll find a bunch of articles I've written as well as some of the people who write with me. We have articles on all kinds of things. We have probably over 1500 by now. And uh, my podcast is there and my books, I sell them in the store there. You can buy them also anywhere online where you buy books. Some Barnes and Noble stores have them as well. Yeah. Sweet. And I appreciate it. And I think people are going to get a lot out of this and really having the the blueprint and the tools needed to make any kind of transformation in their health, whether they're somebody just getting started, or maybe they are going to implement some of the tips you share on plateauing so that people who have already started to exercise can add some different tools into their routine. And just like every other time, the only thing I ask is that you share the episode and take a screenshot and share your biggest takeaway from something that Mike shared. Maybe it was something about what to include in a workout routine. Maybe it was something he said about protein. Maybe it was something he said when it comes to measuring your food. Maybe it was something he said to the importance of strength training, whatever it is, screenshot it, tag Mike, tag myself. We'd love to hear from you. And once again, thank you for listening to this episode of the Adversity Advantage. I'm your host, Doug Bopes. We'll see you next time.